at seansportstop.com you can listen on spotify apple podcast or any platform that you listen to and um, follow me on instagram at the boy 62 that's t-h-a-b-o-y-y 62 with all that said let's get right into it starting with football this is a very unfortunate uh situation very unfortunate indianapolis colts punter rigoberto sanchez announced today or yesterday that he has a cancerous tumor the 26 year old will undergo surgery on tuesday he has been with the Colts since signing as an undrafted free agent in 2017, appearing in 59 straight games. He played in Sunday's game against the Tennessee Titans and punted five times in the in the 45 to 26 loss. Sanchez also usually handles kickoffs for the Colts, but he didn't. He did not on Sunday because of what head coach Frank Reich described after the game as a quote physical issue. I wonder if this was before he found out about the tumor. Um, he's been one of the more reliable punters in the NFL, and he ranks ninth with 47.2 yards per punt this season. His production helped him earn a four-year extension worth $11.6 million in 2019. So it's extremely unfortunate and sad. Hopefully, he bounces back. Hopefully, he beats the cancer. Um, no, recently, notably, we saw Trey Mancini, first baseman for the Baltimore Orioles of Major League Baseball. He had, I believe it was colon cancer, if I'm not mistaken. Definitely some kind of cancer. Don't quote me on that. And it looks like he is. his goal is to be ready for the 2021 season and play for the Baltimore Orioles. So hopefully Rigoberto can bounce back like Mancini did. And with that, we are transitioning to more football. The New England Patriots won on Sunday despite a mediocre showing from quarterback Cam Newton. But the veteran doesn't seem to mind, saying, quote, I'll be the first person to say I didn't play my best game yesterday, but let's be totally clear. I don't play this game for statistic benefits. I don't play this game for any type of individual accolades. I play this game to win. I'm not going to apologize for winning, he told the WEEI on Monday. Newton, as I covered previously, had only 84 passing yards with no um, touchdowns and two interceptions in the Week 12 game. But the Patriots still pulled out a 20-17 win over the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, though the passing yards were a season low, it was the Patriots' fourth win this season where Newton failed to top 200 yards through the air. The quarterback has only four touchdown passes and nine interceptions this year. While his one, while his 198.4 passing yards per game would be a career low, most of his contributions this year have been with the run game, scoring nine rushing touchdowns in his 10 games, so that's very impressive. He has helped the Patriots ranked fifth in the NFL in rushing yards per game. I mean, when you have a bunch of running backs and Cam Newton running the ball, it's no surprise that they have one of the top rushing offenses in the NFL. And the Patriots have managed to stay in the playoff hunt at 5-6 and six despite a difficult schedule. They have four wins against teams that currently have winning records tied for the most in the NFL. So the Patriots are holding it down. We'll see if they can make the playoffs. Road games against first-place foes like the Kansas City Chiefs, Seattle Seahawks, and Buffalo Bills also contributed to the poor record. So it looks like their schedule will be easier down the stretch than it was to start the year. Considering the tough path to the playoffs, Newton will take the win regardless of what his numbers look like in the box score, saying, quote, I've had games where quarterback rating statistics and everything effort and all that amounted to a loss. 
And I've had games like yesterday where you did everything you where you did everything to try to lose and you still win by the grace of God. Um, the Patriots will try to keep their momentum in week 13 against the Los Angeles Chargers. That's going to be an interesting team, an interesting game, excuse me. I think those two teams are at a similar level at this point, despite the Chargers having a much worse record than the Patriots. And with that, we're switching gears to more football, more football, more football. Houston Texans wide receiver Will Fuller the fifth and cornerback Bradley Roby have each been suspended for six games for violating the, the league's performance-enhancing substances policy. Fuller announced on Monday on his Instagram page that he was suspended after, t after taking what he said was prescribed medication that he thought was permissible. He said, quote, earlier this year, I sought treatment from a medical professional who prescribed medication that he believed to be permitted under the NFL's drug policy. As it turns out, my trust in this professional was misplaced because this medication was not a permitted substance under the NFL policy on performance enhancing substances. As a result of this mistake, I have been suspended for six games for taking this prohibited medication. I want to sincerely apologize to the Texans organization and all of my fans for this mistake. I'm looking forward to putting this all behind me and returning better than ever in 2021. Thank you, Will. Roby also issued a statement on social media revealing he, quote, unknowingly used a product that was contaminated with a banned substance by the NFL. Um, since the Texans only have five games left, this means the Notre Dame and Ohio State products will be sidelined until the 2021 season. Fuller appeared in each of his team's first 11 games and tallied 53 catches for 879 yards and eight touchdowns. Undoubtedly, one of the top receivers on the Houston Texans, if not the top wide receiver since they traded away DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals. Um, he was in the middle of a breakout season. He was on track for the first 1,000-yard season of his career prior to the suspension. He was also, yeah, he was, his, he was their leading receiver and their go-to target with DeAndre Hopkins not on the roster anymore. He also turned a lot of heads on Thanksgiving with six catches for 171 yards and two touchdowns during a win over the Detroit Lions. With Fuller suspended, uh, Brandon Cooks will likely be the top target for Deshaun Watson and the Texans. He has 52 catches for 719 yards and three touchdowns. As for Roby, he has 37 tackles, seven passes defended, and one interception in 10 games. And he's often tasked with defending the, t with, with defending the opponent's top pass catchers. Now, I'm inclined to believe Will Fuller the fifth that he misplaced his trust in a medical professional and that he himself didn't knowingly take any banned substance or performance enhancing substance. But what is a little strange to me is that Will Fuller is the Texans best wide receiver and uh, Roby is being described as, as the Texans um, one of their most important defensive players. So for me, it's a little strange when two of their most important players are the guys that test positive. If it was if it was Will Fuller and a kicker, or Will Fuller and you know the third string wide receiver or third string linebacker, then it would be one thing. But when it's Will Fuller and Roby, who's one of their most important defensive players, that makes a little that makes it a little more suspicious to me. But I'm still inclined to believe Will Fuller and Roby. The Texans themselves are four and seven on the year, but they've won three of their last four games and have bounced back some after firing head coach Bill O'Brien. That was a huge. Um, huge win for them as far as firing uh, Bill O'Brien. It's long overdue, and uh, we'll see what Will Fuller. We'll see how Will Fuller and Roby's uh, stats compare in 2021, when we know that they won't be on any kind of PEDs as compared to this year. So, with that, we are switching gears to more football. The Seattle Seahawks are back on track. They defeated the Philadelphia Eagles 23 to 17 in Monday's NFC Showdown at Lincoln Financial Field and improved to eight and three on the season. Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf led the way for the NFC West leaders. Uh, who have won two in a row following a rough 1-3 stretch in the previous four games. That 1-3 stretch could have easily been an 0-4 stretch had they lost a close game to the Miami Dolphins. The Eagles are still trending in the wrong direction and fell to 3-7-1 with a third consecutive loss. They are looking up at the 4-7 New York Giants and Washington football team in the abysmal NFC East. 
Russell Wilson had a decent game, 22 of 31, 230 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. Chris Carson had a good game. DK Metcalf, sensational game, 10 catches for 177 yards. Carson Wentz didn't have that good of a game. I believe, um, I saw this, this post, this post in RNFL on Reddit that Carson Wentz will be the, he's going to break some kind of interception and sack record basically the fact that he's getting sacked so much and throwing so many interceptions is unbelievable that he's doing both and not just one out of the two so Carson Wentz was 25 of 45 for 215 yards two touchdowns and an interception the Eagles are just not a very good team Carson Wentz has been a bad quarterback and the Seahawks have been a good team with a good quarterback some great wide receivers a solid running back at Chris Carson so we'll see uh, transitioning to more football, I'm starting to question whether this game will ever be played. The NFL has moved the scheduled matchup between the, the between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens from Tuesday to Wednesday afternoon at 3.40 p.m. Eastern. That's 12.40 p.m. Pacific time. This is the third time that this game has been postponed as it was originally scheduled for Thanksgiving night and initially rescheduled for Sunday, November 29th. Um, then it was Tuesday, November 30th. Or, yeah... Tuesday, or Monday, November 30th, excuse me. According to Jeff Zrebik of The Athletic, Wednesday was being considered as a possibility as it, quote, would give one more day to make sure COVID-19 outbreak with Ravens is under control um, and also give them a day to get a practice in. The shift to Wednesday is not a surprise as uh, NFL Network noted, quote, Ravens players had a players-only meeting recently to express serious concern about playing on Tuesday. They have been adamant about wanting a day to practice. They haven't been able to because of the COVID outbreak. So that makes sense. Um... Ian Rappaport tweeted, quote, from the Ravens players only meeting two main points they want to play. Health and safety has to come first. One source in the meeting asked, can we have at least two days of negative tests after this outbreak before we are expected to get back on the field? Uh, so according to Albert Breer, the Ravens plan is to fly on Tuesday night to Pittsburgh after their COVID-19 testing for the day comes back. Uh, snows in the forecast for Western Pennsylvania. Again, Baltimore players back at the facility for a 6.30 p.m. Eastern walkthrough tonight. Uh, the Ravens have, have, have had a huge outbreak of COVID-19 with 18 players put on the reserve slash COVID-19 list in the past week and 20 players on the list overall, including their star quarterback, Lamar Jackson, uh, who ESPN reported on Saturday that the Ravens, quote, had had seven straight days with at least one positive test. Um, I know that had the game been played today, Tuesday, Lamar Jackson was not scheduled to play. I wonder if that changes now that the game was pushed to tomorrow. Um, as for the implications of the schedule going forward, Jerry Dulak of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported that the Steelers matchup with the Washington football team in week 13 is being moved from Sunday, December 6th to Monday, December 7th. Still, the NFL could just postpone the game and, and tack on an extra week to, to uh, the end of the season. That would give the league some more flexibility in the event that other games need to be postponed with coronavirus cases spiking around the country. So we'll see. That's the latest on the Ravens and Steelers. They'll be playing on Wednesday instead of today. With that, we are switching gears to college football. This is a huge blow to the University of Tennessee, but not all hope might not all hope is lost. While leaving the door open for a return to the school, five-star linebacker Terrence Lewis announced on Monday that he's decommitting from Tennessee, saying, "Quote: I need these next couple of weeks to explore my options to make sure I make the best decision for my future." He tweeted, "Quote." I would, like to, I would like to take the time out to announce that I'll be decommitting from the University of Tennessee. There's, not, there's no love lost. They're still my top school as of now, but I need these next couple of weeks to explore my options to make sure I make the best decision for my future. The Opelok of Florida natives, the number 17 overall player and the number one inside linebacker in the 2021 class, according to 24-7 Sports. The volunteers remain in play, but this is clearly a concerning development for head coach Jeremy Pruitt and his staff ahead of the early signing period, which begins on December 16th, about two weeks from now, saying, quote, 
It's unclear who all Lewis will consider moving forward, but one school to keep an eye on is nearby Miami, as Lewis has spent time in Coral Gables before. Uh, Andrew Ivins of 24-7 Sports wrote, Lewis also told 24-7 Sports a few months ago that he has heard from the coaching staffs at both LSU and Mississippi State since he committed to the Volunteers. Um, correlation does not equal causation. That's um, an interesting um, saying, but it's hard not to connect Lewis's decommitment from how poorly Tennessee has fared in 2020. The Vols opened the season at 2-0, but a 44-21 defeat to Georgia on October 10th triggered a five-game losing streak. Considering the team finishes with number 6 Florida and number 5 Texas A&M, a two-win season is on the table for Tennessee, so that could be why he decommitted, and it probably is. Uh, we'll see where he goes. The fact that he decommitted from Tennessee is not a good sign for them trying to you know, have him as a player. He, said, he, he did say that they're still his top choice and his top school, but we'll see. I mean, LSU is tempting, Mississippi State, Miami. Those are all, in my opinion, better choices than Tennessee. So we'll see what um, Mr. Lewis decides. Switching gears to more college football, Ohio State's Ryan Day will not coach in Saturday's scheduled game against Michigan State after he tested, after he tested positive for COVID-19 last week. A school spokesperson a school so spokesperson told ESPN that Day cannot return to the team until Monday because of CDC protocols. It's good that they're taking it seriously. Associate head coach Larry Johnson will take over for Day if the Buckeyes play. That's, I guess that's still a question. The school was forced to cancel last week's game against Illinois amid positive tests within the program. If Ohio State cancels another game this season, the program will be ineligible for the Big Ten title game. So that, in my opinion, excuse me, in my opinion... Um, Ohio State probably will not cancel another game because they want to be eligible for the Big Ten title game. Ohio State was ranked fourth in the initial college football playoff top 25. The Buckeyes could be in danger of missing the playoffs if they are, if they are, if they are ineligible for the Big Ten championship. That would be a huge factor uh, when they're being considered for the top four. I still believe the college football playoff should be expanded to at least eight teams instead of four because there are so many deserving teams every year. But that's a different conversation for another day. Um yeah, I mean, they emphasize rewarding the champions of Power 5 conferences. However, given the unprecedented, unprecedented nature of the 2020 season, the committee will have to consider an uneven schedule landscape when deciding who plays for the national championship. If Ohio State only plays four or five games in the regular season, the committee may favor a team with a more complete resume. Even if that team has one or two losses, they tend to favor undefeated teams because you know they want to pick the best of the best. A one-loss Florida or Texas A&M team could play, could play double the amount of games as Ohio State by the end of the season. Um... Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith said in a statement last week that Day is, quote, doing well physically. It is unknown if the coach, who was a staunch advocate for playing this season despite the pandemic, is experiencing any symptoms, but it seems like he's doing fine. At least that's according to the Ohio State Buckeyes Athletic Director. But we'll see. It's going to be very interesting how this year's playoff committee decides on who makes the playoffs and who doesn't with, uh, you know, this year and some other uh, aspects. Switching gears to the NBA. The Boston Celtics announced today that Kemba Walker received a stem cell injection in his left knee in October and was placed on a 12-week straightening program. The Celtics added that Walker will return to on-court activities in early December and they will provide an update regarding his game availability in January's first week. Since the 2020-21 season is set to begin December 22nd, Kemba will miss the start of the season. Uh, last season was his first in Boston after eight seasons with the Charlotte Hornets and he averaged 20.5 points, 4.8 assists and 3.9 rebounds a game. The four-time All-Star played a big role in leading the Celtics to the Eastern Conference Finals after a disappointing 49-33 finish in 2018-19, a year that ended with the Celtics losing in the Conference Semifinals to the Milwaukee Bucks. 
The Celtics excelled despite numerous injuries throughout their starting lineup. Of note, Kemba missed uh, time in 2019-20 because of left knee soreness, in addition to a neck sprain and flu-like symptoms. Marcus Smart replaced Kemba Walker in the lineup last season when the starting lineup was intact otherwise. Um, the ex-Oklahoma State star averaged a career-high 13 points and 5 assists to go along with 4 rebounds and 2 steals a game. Uh, Kemba will not replace... Or excuse me, Marcus Smart will not replace Kemba's offensive production, but he's a hard worker on both ends of the floor. He's a great 3 and D kind of guy. Um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown will likely be the scoring leaders in Kemba Walker's absence. But you know, when you when you think about this, when someone says Kemba Walker's going to be out until January, they think that it's a long time because subconsciously, we're so, everyone is so used to the NBA season starting in October. So when they hear January, they think of like, oh man, he's going to be out for three months, but he's really only going to be out for a few weeks. Uh, since the season starts on December 22nd, really only like a week or two if we're uh, if we're looking at it objectively. Switching gears to more NBA, wouldn't this be something if this was to happen? The Golden State Warriors reportedly, quote, made a call to inquire about the availability of James Harden amid his trade request. How unbelievable would it be if the Golden State Warriors trade for James Harden? Shams Charania of The Athletic and Stadium said on the Load Management Podcast, that the Warriors were among the teams to reach out to the Houston Rockets after Harden requested a move to a contender. The Brooklyn Nets have been known to be Harden's preferred destination. Gerania said the Warriors did not make a formal offer. Conversations were more exploratory with the Warriors checking on Harden's availability, but the talks did not go much further than the initial inquiry, so I would assume the Rockets told Golden State that he is available. Uh, they appear committed to going to a different... Or they appeared to go into the season with Harden and Russell Westbrook, who also requested a trade. They want to make it work. And I've been saying I think they will or they'll try and that they should. Um, both players are under contract through at least next season and have player options for 2022-23. The Rockets are hopeful that additions they made in free agency, including signing DeMarcus Cousins and Christian Wood to add size on the interior, will make them more competitive and potentially convince the duo to stay together. Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle reported Westbrook grew unhappy last season with his role and wants to trade to a team where he can, quote, be himself. When I see a report that Russell Westbrook wants to be more like himself, I what I do is this. I translate that from Russell Westbrook talk to English, and to me, it's clear as day that Russell Westbrook wants to be a stat patter on a losing team. He would much rather be traded to the New York Knicks and dominate with 30 points a game on a, very, on a horrible losing New York Knicks team and look good himself than play second fiddle to James Harden on a contending Houston Rockets team in the West. That's the way I perceive it. So Harden is seeking to join Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to form a potential super team in Brooklyn, but I highly doubt that Brooklyn, excuse me, that Houston would make that trade uh, without at least Kyrie Irving coming in return to to Houston, I, I think it would be almost impossible to pair James Harden alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. If they do, that'll be their entire team. The Rockets also lost coach Mike D'Antoni and general manager Daryl Morey. They lost Robert Covington. He signed with Portland. They lost Austin Rivers. He signed with the Knicks. Um, they traded Trevor Ariza, I believe. Or no, that he was on Portland and they traded for him, then traded him again. So um, what else? They Who else did they lose? They, I don't believe they lost P.J. Tucker. I don't believe they lost Eric Gordon. But all those guys that I just listed, the ones that didn't already leave, have had uh, concerns and have had chemistry issues alongside, obviously, the top two players in James Harden and Russell Westbrook. On top of them losing coach Mike D'Antoni and GM Daryl Morey. Uh, so we'll see. I think the Rockets will be a playoff team, but I'm just not sure how, how good they'll be, to be honest. And um, 
I think keeping them around is the right decision because I don't think they'll get equal value in return to James Harden. I don't think anyone will trade away their entire team for James Harden. Switching gears to college football to close out this episode of Sean Sports Up number 312. Vanderbilt interim head coach Todd Fitch said Sarah Fuller will serve as the team's place kicker against Georgia, saying, quote, she'll be with us for the trip to Georgia and we're going to put the best, the best people out there. If she's our best option, we'll continue with her and we'll do the best we can for the team. As I covered previously on a previous episode, Sarah Fuller became the first woman to play for a Power 5 football program in last week's 41-0 loss to Missouri. Her only game action was a successful squib kick at the start of the second half. The SEC named her Special Teams Player of the Week for her efforts. Um, She said, quote, All I want to do is be a good influence to the young girls out there because there were times where I struggled in sports, but I'm so thankful that I stuck with it and it's given me so many opportunities and I've met so many amazing people through sports, she told ESPN. And I just want to say that literally you can do anything you set your mind to. She played last week's game with Play Like a Girl on on the back of her helmet. Um, a nod to the history she's made for young women because you know when if you're with the guys I'm 17 if I'm if I go play basketball with the guys let's say or football or whatever and someone says that I'm playing like a girl that's immediately perceived and known by everyone to be an insult to to imply that um, women are inferior to men in sports and the truth of the matter is they are objectively but when you say that to another person that's perceived as an insult and I don't think that's necessarily right at all um, so yeah, that's the latest. So that's, she's going to stick around on the Vanderbilt male football team. And with that, that's all I have for this episode of Sean Sports Stop. Thank you guys so much for listening. A shorter one today than we've done in days past, uh, just under 22 minutes, but thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys on number 313. We out.